Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone. This new episode of the podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. And if you want to get a free audiobook from Audible, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. They've got loads and loads and loads and loads of audiobooks, like hundreds and thousands of them. Uh, so just pick an audiobook. You can download it. If you don't like it, you can cancel your membership and you can keep the audiobook. That's nice. So audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke or click one of the buttons on my website that says Audible. Okay, now let's get started. Here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I think that this one is going to be episode number 301, I think. Don't even know what the name of the episode will be at this stage. I'm thinking of calling it something like the General Ramble, but I don't know. I've got no idea. So uh, that's up in the air at the moment. Maybe by the end of the episode, I will have chosen some sort of title. But at the moment, it's just episode number 301. And I'm sort of giving myself the luxury of not really planning it fully this time because recent episodes of Luke's English Podcast have been fairly well planned, okay? Like there was that whole series about California, the road trip uh, series, and they were mostly quite well thought out and quite well prepared in advance and stuff like that. Um, There was the bank robbery episodes, which of course were like deeply uh, fine-tuned, based on a a sort of well-prepared game, like lesson plan thing. Um, But um, then, of course, there was episode 300 and uh, both parts of that. And that again, that was fairly well prepared because I got recordings from my friends and uh, recordings from Lepsters and other little bits and pieces and sort of had to arrange them all and put it all together and edit it and all that sort of thing. So all of that required a certain amount of work and preparation. So I'm giving myself the luxury of doing an episode with minimal preparation this time. Um, And uh, so that's what you're listening to right now, okay? Uh, So in this episode, I'm going to have a bit of a ramble about some stuff that's in the news at the moment and also talk about a few other things that have just come into my brain, okay? Um, So I'm not going to teach you anything specific in this one or at least no specific language anyway. I'm just going to... Well, I will be talking about some bits and pieces about modern-day British life. So there will be some kind of, uh, I hope, sort of new content or things to learn from the episode, even if I'm not focusing specifically on language. Um, So generally in the episode, I'm just going to keep you company for a while and talk to you um, one-on-one for the duration of the episode. Okay, so it's going to be just you and me 
and perhaps a busload of commuters or whoever you happen to have around you uh, at this moment in time. Um, the music that you just heard in the background, that was the Beastie Boys, and the track was called um, Groove Homes. And if you want to download it, then I highly recommend that you do. There's several ways that you can get that song. Two albums of theirs, it, it appears on both of them. Um, I reckon that you should get their album, which is called The In Sound From Way Out. Okay? The In Sound From Way Out, which was a 1996 kind of compilation album of all the Beastie Boys instrumental uh, jazzy kind of uh, songs. Okay? So the Beastie Boys are famous for doing that kind of loud rap music, but they're also um, great musicians and they play their own sort of instrumental jazz music. So that was one of their tracks that they'd recorded, I think, in 1992. So quite an old one. Uh, But I recommend that you download their album, The In Sound From Way Out. It's really good. Um, Okay, now I do have a sort of... um, a sort of uh, uh, agenda for this episode... Uh, a kind of hastily made up agenda. So I do have a kind of plan for some things I'm going to talk about. So let me just run through that agenda with you right now. So this is what you can expect from this episode. So first of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about the UK political situation at the moment and some trending news relating to that. So trending news on UK politics. And this, in fact, is much less boring than you might expect, okay? You might think, oh, British politics, uh -uh." Uh, But it's not boring, I promise. And here's why. Because it seems from recent reports, I don't know if you've been keeping up with this, but recent reports in the news, all over the news, seem to be saying that our Prime Minister, David Cameron, once had sex with a dead pig. Seriously, Seriously, okay? It's been all over the news. Apparently, David Cameron had sex with a pig. And not just a pig, a dead pig. Now, you're probably shocked by that. You should be. Uh, it is shocking. And it's... it's. I'm being entirely serious. No joke. Da- did David Cameron really do it with a pig? Um, and, uh, and what the hell is going on? Well, listen, if you want to know more about this, then listen. I'll tell you the whole story okay, about how David Cameron allegedly did it with a pig, and not just a pig, a dead pig as well. What a crazy, insane story. We're not dreaming. This is not some sort of dream or nightmare. It's true, okay? It's been in the news. I'll talk about it. Um, I'll also talk to you a little bit about the uh, comedy show that I've been putting on every Thursday evening with my friend Paul Taylor. Uh, I'll just give a very brief mention to that. Um, also, I'm going to talk. Um, my third thing in this made-up agenda, my third point, uh, is this, and it says, "Tell a story or anecdote about something." So I've decided I'm just going to tell you a story or anecdote about something in particular. I haven't really even decided what that story will be at this stage, but when I get to that point, I will just have to make up some kind of story. Um, number four uh, in the agenda is um, Ronnie Pickering. Who's Ronnie Pickering? Do you know? Do you know who Ronnie Pickering is? If you don't know, that's fine, because um, probably before about a week ago, no one else knew who Ronnie Pickering was either. But um, he became something of an internet sensation over the last couple of weeks in the UK. So I'll tell you a little bit about Ronnie Pickering. Um, uh, Fifth thing on the agenda is um, I'm going to tell you about a recent trip that I made to the dentist here in Paris. 
and that was quite a uh, quite an experience. So I'll be telling you about my dentist trip. Uh, point six on the agenda is um, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, um, and basically. Um, I can hardly contain my excitement because it's coming soon. It's just a few months away. So I'm trying to keep calm and cool and try not to let my geek side um, uh, take over. Uh, I'm just trying to keep myself under control. But I will talk a little bit about the uh, the seventh uh, Star Wars movie. Um, not too much because I know that not all of you are Star Wars fans, but, you know, a reasonable amount. Um, seventh point on the podcast is some OPP. OPP, that means other people's podcasts. So I'm just going to make a little podcast recommendation, uh, a podcast that I've been listening to recently. I'll tell you about that. Uh, number eight uh, on the agenda, and I hope that I'm going to get through this agenda. I really do. Um, so I'll try and keep it pretty uh, quick, okay? Uh, point eight on the agenda is, um, uh, it says, in my headphones recently. And I'm just going to share with you a few songs which I've been listening to recently. Okay, I'm just going to share them with you. Point number nine is jingle news. Jingle news. That means that I've got a possible new jingle in the pipeline. Possible. We'll talk about it in a bit. Number 10 is um, Jarvis Cocker. I've just got something to say about Jarvis Cocker. You might not know who he is either, but that's fine. We'll get to it. Um, Quite a famous guy in the UK. Um, he has a place in our modern culture, um, and um, if you know about the UK and UK culture, you'll probably get to Jarvis Cocker eventually. Um, so he has a part to play in modern UK life. And then point 11 is simply the, this, this line, and it just simply says, that's probably it, isn't it? So I imagine that once, once we get to number 11, that will be it. Okay, everyone. All right. Okay. So um, let's see. And maybe I should to introduce. Maybe I should introduce some little noise or something just to kind of make sure that I've got your attention. How about this one? Yeah. Does that work? Um, I, you might have noticed on the podcast that I have a few little noises that I use sometimes. So I've got that one. Uh, I could also use this one. It's quite a nice noise, isn't it? Just a little kind of uh, uh, what would you? How would you describe that? Um, uh, you, I could use it as a, a, a kind of uh, oh, what's the word for it? A little, um, it's like a segue, isn't it? A segue, not not the kind of segue that you that you might ride around on. The segue that I saw in California, and not that kind of segue, but also a segue sometimes means a sort of dividing point between two sections of the podcast. So I might, you know, end one section, and then you'll hear this noise. <laughs> And then uh, I'll start talking about something else. Or sometimes I use this one. I quite like that. Nice sort of fat digital noise. Yeah. Then there's this one as well, which I'm supposed to use when I make a joke. But uh, equally, I could use this one, which is obviously a bunch of people going, oh, you know, when you tell a bad joke. Uh-huh. I also got uh, this one for all the LEP ninjas out there. That's just the the sounds of a ninja, okay? Just generic ninja noises. Okay, fine, fine. Uh, There you go. Um, All right, so just a few noises. So, yeah, that's it. I wanted to just sort of use a little noise to show that I'm beginning uh, the the agenda. So here we go. Okay, so the first point um, on this made-up agenda is David Cameron and the pig. Um, or Piggate, as it's being called, Piggate. 
Um, do you understand the the um, use of the term gate there, pig gate? Now, whenever there is a big scandal in the news, usually in politics, uh, they often put the um, suffix gate on the end of the word. So uh, pig gate in this case. Now, where does gate come from? Uh, it's originally came from the Watergate scandal, which involved Richard Nixon. Do you know about Watergate? Basically, Richard Nixon was involved in spying on um, his political rivals and in and various bits of sort of criminal activity, uh, which eventually led to him um, resigning from his post as president of the United States. So that was the Watergate scandal. And now every time there's a political scandal in the news, they use the uh, suffix gate at the end. So it, here we are. Now we have pig gate. Now, the story's a couple of weeks old, to be honest. I've come to the story a little bit late, uh, but I thought it would be worth um, talking about it anyway, just because it's just such a kind of stunning piece of news um, and a kind of a mind-boggling story, okay? So, did David Cameron really have sex with a pig? Did he actually do this? Um, let's explore the situation. I was going to say let's explore the pig, but I don't think that would be a very good idea uh, at this moment. Um, certainly not after David Cameron um, has already explored it in several ways, let's say. So, pig gate. Um, um, so the, the the claim is, the allegation is that David Cameron had sex with a pig, and not just any pig, a dead pig. That's right. Um, apparently, um, during his time at university, when he was a member of some kind of club, um, one of the things that he had to do in order to join the club, so part of the initiation ceremony to this very exclusive club in a very posh university, I think he was at Oxford, part of the initiation ceremony was that he had to do this horrible thing and he had to put his genitals into the mouth of a dead pig. This is the allegation. Now, I should say at the beginning that this claim has not been proven or been backed up with evidence. The person who is making the claim says he has evidence for it, um, but um, that hasn't been made public yet. So it's just a kind of uh, an unsubstantiated or unconfirmed claim at this point. Um, uh, Okay, so let's go back. Who is it that's making this claim? Well, the... um, the man making the claim uh, is called Michael Ashcroft, okay, or Lord Ashcroft. And uh, Michael Ashcroft um, has written an unauthorised biography of David Cameron, which is called Call Me Dave, okay? Um, so um, according to Michael Ashcroft, this story of David Cameron doing what he did to a dead pig um, has uh, came originally from a distinguished Oxford contemporary of David Cameron. So some apparently trustworthy, very highly respected and distinguished person who was at Oxford University with David Cameron. Um, And so apparently that's the person who who actually told the story originally and and Michael Ashcroft has put it into this book. Um, So Michael Ashcroft has written a book about David Cameron. Who is Michael Ashcroft? Well, um, he is a um, he's a member of the Conservative Party, quite a high ranking, uh, powerful member. In fact, he's a lord. uh, So he's also known as Lord Ashcroft. He's an international businessman and and politician. He's the former deputy chairman of the Conservative Party. So a very sort of high level person in the party. And remember, the Conservatives are the party that are in power at the moment. And in brief, the Conservatives are associated with, usually with the rich, 
Um, and they're kind of the party of the rich, and they tend to look after the interests of um, like rich people in society. They like to promote business. They like to promote the private sector, uh, and they they like to support the rich with the idea that if you support the rich people and support the companies and businesses and the private sector, that that will have a knock-on effect, uh, which will basically generate more wealth in society, and that will be good for everyone. So the conservatives are all. Basically, they're all about supporting rich people, and many of the members of the Conservative Party are very, very rich themselves. They come from a very high-class, sort of elite, established background, privileged people in many cases. So when we talk about David Cameron and Michael Ashcroft and also um, George Osborne, who is the uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer, that's the Finance Minister, and also Boris Johnson who is the current uh, mayor of London, all of these people uh, went to very exclusive private schools and they also went to, um, you know, the best universities in the country and they come from rich families. So they're basically from this world of privilege, this kind of high-level elite world uh, of Oxford University and uh, Eton School and things like that, okay? Um, So uh, Michael... uh, Ashcroft, uh, yes, a former uh, deputy, deputy chairman of the Conservative Party, and um, apparently the 74th richest person in the UK. Um, he's, he's worth something like £1.3 billion. Um, and um, so um, he was um, someone who actually gave a lot of money to the Conservative Party. Uh, so he funded the Conservative Party for many years, particularly after the Tories uh, lost the election to the Labour Party in the late 1990s. So when the Tories were struggling and they they went through a few changes, um, Lord Ashcroft was one of the people who financially supported the Conservative Party and uh, so therefore felt like he was in he, he should be given a powerful position. And in particular, he helped David Cameron to become prime minister and to you know to become leader of the conservatives and and then ultimately become prime, prime minister with a lot of financial support and a lot of sort of power support as well okay um and so after giving so much money and support to Cameron and the conservatives i think that uh, ashcroft probably expected to receive some sort of um powerful position in the government, like he wanted to be given some kind of uh, ministerial position. And in fact, David Cameron, for whatever reason, didn't give him that position. And so then Ashcroft decides to publish this book. And in the book, it's full of these horror stories about David Cameron. So it's quite obviously some sort of smear campaign against Cameron. Now, what's a smear campaign? Smear, that's S-M-E-A-R. That's when you try and smear the name of someone. Uh, and now, literally, if you smear the name, it means like, imagine writing someone's name in ink on paper and then rubbing your finger across the name and it would smear the ink. So that's the literal uh, meaning of word. the word smear is to like kind of... Um, like rub all the ink off so that the letters aren't clear anymore. Imagine you writing write a name in ink and then you rub your finger across it and it would smear the name. Okay, that's the literal meaning. The in this case, the slightly more idiomatic meaning of to smear means to sort of ruin someone's reputation, and it's often used in politics. So a smear campaign, it's 
probably a smear campaign, isn't it? I mean, why would Lord Ashcroft uh, be be publishing all these things unless he wanted to destroy Cameron's reputation out of revenge? Okay, so it looks like an act of revenge, which makes you think, well, maybe it's maybe it's not true, maybe it's not true. But then again, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Um, now, what actually happened? Well, apparently, um, let's see. Uh, I'm I'm having a little look on on some pages here on the internet, uh, uh, looking at Piggate on uh, newspapers like theweek.co.uk. Um, and um, so let's see, let's have a look at the allegation. So apparently when David Cameron was a student at Oxford University, um, he wanted to join the member of some kind of club. Um, And um, the club was called the Piers Gaveston Society. And apparently the Piers Gaveston Society is an extremely exclusive club of... um, you know, like very posh people at Oxford University, okay? So it's very difficult to get into this club and they're very particular about the people who join it. And um, apparently part of the initiation into this club was to, um, uh, that he had to insert uh, a private part of his anatomy into the mouth of a dead pig, all right? So, do you understand what an initiation ceremony is? An initiation ceremony is basically a, a number of sort of tasks that you have to achieve or a number of things, usually difficult or embarrassing things you have to do in order to be initiated into some sort of society or club. In this case, stick your junk in the mouth of a pig, all right? Um, so apparently it was a pig's head which was um, resting on the lap of another society member during the act. So he had to open his flies and put himself inside the mouth of a pig. Um, So mm, technically, I mean, is that having sex? Is that, does that count as having sex? Um, Does putting your privates into the mouth of a dead pig mean that you had sex with a pig? Well, that's kind of arguable, isn't it? It depends how you define the act of uh, uh, a sex. It depends how you define a sexual act or a sex act. But whatever you call it, it's pretty disgusting. Now, maybe he didn't do it because he wanted to get pleasure from it. You know, maybe he only did it because he was forced to do it in order to join this club. Um, So that seems to mitigate it a little bit. It's not quite as serious if... I mean, I would be more worried if David Cameron, like, enjoyed doing that in his free time. It seems like this was just something he had to do uh, in order to join this club, all right? And um, also, it, th- there are various sort of moral questions about this. For example, is it is it better or worse that the pig was dead? I mean, would it be worse if he did it to a living pig? Now, I personally, I think that would be worse. Obviously, it's horrendously disgusting. And we don't even know if it's true yet, but it's certainly horrible and disgusting, the idea of doing something like that. I mean, it's morally sort of repugnant and also um, not very hygienic either. Um, So it's horribly disgusting. But if he did some sort of sex act to a living pig, maybe that would even be worse because there would be the suffering of the animal involved as well. Um, so I think it would be worse if the pig was alive, but I'm not saying that makes it better. It's, it's, uh, still horrific. Um, and also it sort of mitigates it a bit when you know that he, uh, wasn't doing it for pleasure. In fact, he probably, you know, it was probably a horrible thing to have to do. Um, but there you go. 
Okay, so that's the situation. Um, now, in terms of this being a, a, a smear campaign against Cameron, it's pretty clever, really, isn't it? It's pretty clever. What has Cameron done? Now, you might be wondering what what has been the Prime Minister's response to this. Um, and, um, well, he hasn't responded. He's refused to respond to it, which is probably the, the most clever thing to do, isn't it? Because of two reasons. Now, first of all, um, it's better that he doesn't respond to it because if he responds to this and denies it, then he will also be obliged to deny various other things which have been included in this book. And arguably, some of those things are even worse than this, arguably. I'll, I'll come on to those in a moment. So that's the first thing. He would have to deny lots of other things too. And the second thing is if he denied it, he'd have to go probably on television in front of the whole nation and the whole world and say to everyone, yeah, I did not have sex with a dead pig. And you don't really want to be doing that. He, he doesn't really want... Even if he's putting it in the negative, it still sounds bad. You know, if someone denies something like that, you still kind of think, yeah, you did though, didn't you? Because he's still saying the words, I had sex with a dead pig. I mean, technically it's, I did not have sex with a dead pig, but he's still saying, I had sex with a dead pig, isn't he? You know, it's a kind of um, bit of psychology that you can... Even if you're saying something in the negative form, you're still basically saying it. For example, I could say to you, don't think of an elephant. And you think of an elephant, right? Um, so if you say, I didn't, honestly, I did not have sex with a dead pig, then uh, he's still basically going in front of the nation saying, I <laughs> had sex with a dead pig. So, um, you know, uh, I think that it's, um, I think it's it's quite a, a shrewd smear campaign. Um, um, okay, so what are the other things that are mentioned in this book? Well, um, as well as this thing with the pig, there's also other stuff like, uh, apparently, Cameron was also a member of another club called the Bullingdon Club. The Bullingdon Club is quite famous, um, and a few members of the Conservative Party, quite high-level people, were also members of the Bullingdon Club. Uh, a bigger club than the other one. What was the name of the other one? It was called um, the Piers Gaveston Society. But the other one, the Bullingdon Club, is quite famous because a movie has been made about it called The Riot Club. Apparently, it's not a very good film because it doesn't really deal with the subject properly. But what's the Bullingdon Club all about? Well, this is another uh, uh, exclusive club of young, very rich, very privileged men who like to get together and celebrate being young, privileged, posh, rich men. And apparently, the, what the Bullingdon Club used to do is they would get together, they'd go to restaurants, and they would uh, get really drunk... And often they would smash up the restaurant, like vandalise it, acting like football hooligans. You know, you, normally you associate that kind of behaviour with kind of like, you know, lower class hooligans, right? Not sort of upper class, respectable uh, future politicians. Uh, but no, sorry, um, they are doing it too. So the Bullingdon Club, yeah, they would get drunk and uh, and then smash up the restaurant and then apparently they would pay for the damage. And I imagine that act of paying for the damage would be something extremely arrogant. Like imagine smashing up the place and then dropping some cash on the table or on the floor as if to say, there you go, we're rich enough to pay for it too. 
Um, so the Bullingdon Club used to do that kind of thing. But apparently... Um, other allegations are that um, for as part of the initiation to uh, either the Bullingdon Club um, or the Piers Gaveston Society, um, he also did other things like, for example, and this may be the worst one, apparently members of one of these clubs uh, had to um, find a, a homeless person in the street, like a, you know, a, a homeless man or woman, and in front of their face, take a £50 note so, you know, a £50 note, which is the, 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 the biggest um, note that you can get in, in English money, in, in pound sterling, get a £50 note and wave it in front of the face of a homeless person, not give it to them, just wave it in front of their face and then burn it, like light it and burn it in front of the face of a homeless person. Now, that to me is even more disgusting than the sex act with a dead pig. Okay, I think that's way more disgusting because, I mean, that is just unforgivable, especially for a politician to have that much contempt for the poor. It's just disgusting. And that is maybe the worst allegation, I think, for David Cameron, because fair enough, like, you know, doing some disgusting thing in your private time with an animal. I mean, it, you know, the pig was dead already. It was probably from a butcher's shop. You know, the, the pig was probably killed for, for, its, for its meat and they got the head. And it, obviously it's horrible and disgusting. Uh, but who, who suffers? Who suffers from this? Um, not the pig, because unfortunately the pig was already dead. It was going to be eaten. Uh, but um, in the case of burning a £50 note in front of a homeless person, that is just horrible, just a, a, incredible levels of contempt for the poor. And this is the man who leads our country. So maybe that's the, the biggest um, indictment, really, of Cameron here, that it shows that him and George Osborne, the finance minister, and the mayor of London, Boris Johnson, both of whom were members of the um, Bullingdon Club too, uh, come from an, uh, a section of society that really not only doesn't care about ordinary people, but in fact has contempt for them. So that's what Pig Gate is all about. Okay, so on one hand, it's about Lord Ash, uh, Lord uh, Ashcroft um, taking revenge on David Cameron because he didn't give him a powerful position, but also it just gives you a little window into the world of the people who control the country. And it kind of gives you an idea of the sort of um, elitism um, and sort of moral repugnancy that we have um, in in our establishment in the UK. Isn't it depressing? It is, actually. It's pretty sad. It's pretty depressing. And, you know, you look at some places and look at some countries and you think, yeah, these countries are clearly uh, very corrupt and, and so on. Well, you know, the UK has got its own sort of mafia. It's like this rich kind of uh, public school mafia. Anyway, I'm ranting now. Uh, I'm having a bit of a rant about uh, the Conservative Party. I'm not saying that all the Conservatives are like that, but it's you can now understand why many people really sort of don't like the Tories and, and the Conservatives. Now, as well as that in, in, in UK politics, as well as this sort of ridiculous story about the, the, the pig, uh, there's another story that's dominating British politics at the moment, and that is what's going on in the Labour Party. Now, if you listen to my episodes about the UK general election, you'll know the story right, that um, the Conservatives have been in power for some time and they won the election earlier this year and the Labour Party lost a 
lot of seats. So big crisis for the Labour Party. What happened? They lost loads of seats in Scotland and um, no one seemed to be interested in them in England. All right. Um, And what they were offering before was kind of like the bit like the Conservatives, but a bit lighter, a bit sort of nicer, basically, a bit more socially conscious, but ultimately offering a kind of light, watered down, more socially conscious version of what the Conservatives were offering, which was basically public spending cuts. And it didn't work for them. And Ed Miliband quit. And Labour were like, right, what are we going to do? And so there was a lot of struggle within the party. And the next challenge was to uh, choose their next leader. And so various different leaders were were um, uh, put forward. Um, some of them were just like, Tony Blair clones, which means kind of centrist um, candidates who occupy a sort of centre ground, a very kind of um, kind of uh, liberal, sort of partially conservative, with a few socially democrat policies in there, but uh, in the middle ground, a bit like Tony Blair, and another candidate called Jeremy Corbyn, who is unapologetically socialist in his viewpoints, very left-wing. And he's uh, Jeremy Corbyn is now all over the newspapers and all in the media and everything because he, in fact, became the next uh, Labour leader. So, um, OK, let me just give you a kind of brief summary of the Jeremy Corbyn situation. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not interested in politics, don't worry, because I'm going to tell you other stories and we're going to do other stuff in this episode. But I need to tell you about this just because I feel like there's a bit of a narrative running through some of my episodes uh, over the last year or two uh, about UK politics and the story of politics. So we had the Scottish independence episodes, the general election episodes, and now this one, which is like David Cameron uh, sticking his his willy inside the face of a dead pig and also uh, Labour electing a new leader, okay? So um, the Labour Party is a bit divided, okay, between people who basically believe in the Tony Blair idea, which is like we can try and mix up old-fashioned Labour values, old-fashioned socialist values with more sort of Thatcherite kind of free market ideas. And that's the only way that the Labour Party can get power, is if we try and do something moderate like that. Um, But people are fed up with it because they think, well, what do the Labour Party really believe in? What are their principles? And so along comes Jeremy Corbyn, who is an old school socialist. He's been in the Labour Party for years and he's always just been a campaigner for, you know, socialist values and things like that. Anti-war. He took a very strong stance against the Gulf War uh, that Tony Blair decided to join in 2003. He was strongly against it. And he's basically, you know, a socialist. He believes in trying to represent the interests of ordinary people. He's interested in trying to support uh, people who don't have much money and who need help. So he's interested in like offering welfare and uh, redistributing wealth and that, and that sort of thing, right? Now, um, he's he could be painted as, a, as an old school socialist, but um, in my opinion, a lot of his ideas just sound nice. They sound reasonable. It sounds like he's just, um, he's quite a, um, a sort of conscious uh, and sort of moral person who is looking after people who need help and who's got a kind of ethical approach to to running the country. The argument against him is that he can't handle the economy and that, the you know, where's the money going to come from? But it's interesting that we've got now 
in charge of the Labour Party, we've got a fairly staunch left-wing guy. So it's just sort of changed the political landscape in the UK a bit now. So as a balancing force against the, let's call, let's say, the rampant Tories who now are on their own in government and they're pushing forward with their sort of uh, uh, neoconservative ideas. Um, and, uh, And then on the other side of the House of Commons, we've got Jeremy Corbyn, who's pushing a slightly more, well, a, a very much more socialist agenda. So it's quite interesting to see the way in which the the debate is being conducted. And I think it's quite healthy to have um, uh, a, a strong opposition, a strong ideological opposition to what the Conservatives are doing. Uh, and I don't just mean someone who thinks that it's wrong that David Cameron boned a pig in the face but just someone who is willing to argue against him and and has and gives people um another option and in fact what jeremy corbyn has done is he's kind of activated a a big silent um not i'm not going to say majority but a big silent section of the uk population people who didn't vote really before because they didn't feel like anyone represented their views and so now loads and loads and loads of young people have come out and uh, and shown their support for jeremy corbyn so he's very popular with the young and he's also very popular with a sort of disenfranchised working class uh, vote in the uk so there you go that's the political situation in the uk We've got a bit more balance and David Cameron did it with a pig. Okay, right. So that was point one. Moving on to point two. Um, let me tell you about this comedy show that I'm doing with Paul Taylor. Every Thursday at 7pm in a place called the Pan Am Art Cafe here in Paris, Paul and I are doing a show, uh, a stand-up comedy show, and it's called Sorry, We're English. And the the concept is it's two English guys who live in Paris and we talk about our experiences of being English men in a foreign country, in this case, in Paris. So there's lots of jokes about life in France and life in Paris, and also jokes about being English and and the English and English life and English culture. And it is a stand-up comedy show. It's not just me talking or Paul talking. It's jokes and it's uh, it's situations and uh, stories, uh, all designed to make the audience laugh. So if you're in Paris, or if you if you're coming in this direction. Um, don't forget, 7pm every Thursday evening, you can come and see our show. All right. Uh, Now, number three in this list, it says, tell a story or anecdote about something. So I decided that I'd put this into um, into the episode just because, well, I went on about politics a bit, which is good. It's interesting and informative, but you might want a little bit of a story now. So actually, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Um, let's see, I've told, I've told you things about when I lived in Japan, about when I was sick in Japan. I've told you, uh, stuff about my other traveling experiences. Um, okay. I'm going to tell you about a really, um, I'm going to tell you about a really bad stand up comedy gig experience that I've had. So I've been doing stand up for about six years and I've had lots of good gigs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like a f- total failure or anything like that. I've had plenty of good experiences. In fact, when it's great, when when it works and when you've got an audience who, first of all, understands what you're talking about and secondly, is on your wavelength, it's just amazing. Honestly, I can't tell you. It's, 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 it's difficult to explain exactly how that is, but when everything makes them laugh and the 
energy lifts in the room and you can tell them stories and they they explode with laughter. There's nothing like it. It makes you feel like you're on top of the world. It's amazing. But some gigs don't go so well, okay? And in fact, a lot of the time, the difference between a good gig and a bad gig is not always the person on stage. Obviously, the person on stage is the, you know, the, the one with the main responsibility. But there are other important factors. One of those things is the, is the room itself and how is the room set up. And okay, so one of the worst gigs that I uh, I ever had was um, a charity gig that I did once, and it was it was um, organised by a friend of Moz, I think. Uh, you know Moz from previous episodes of this podcast. So I was there, Moz was there, Paul Langton was there, and Alex Love was there too. And so it was a charity gig, which is you know great because um, it's all raising money for a, for a charity. I think it was some sort of health related charity that does health work in developing countries. Great. Um, and so as part of this fundraising event, they put on some stand-up comedy. Uh, but the people who ran the event didn't have a clue about how to put on a good comedy show. Now, a good comedy show, you need uh, a room that is purposely designed just for the comedy. You can't have anything else happening in the room at the same time because then the comedian will just be battling uh, for the audience's attention and you need the total attention of the audience in order to give the jokes a chance, all right? So you don't need any other distractions or noise or anything like that. You also need the audience to be able to actually see you and hear you, all right? So let me tell you about the room. So it was in this old pub in Farringdon in North London. And it's one of those old pubs that's very long and very narrow with a very long bar, okay? So very long, narrow room with a long bar and then a little space at the end um, where where just in front of the, the doors to the gentlemen's and ladies' toilets. So there's this space with a few sort of tables and chairs uh, um, placed there and a little space between the doors where um, the the performers stood um, to to do their comedy. And the place was absolutely packed, okay, completely jammed. And most of the people were all lining up, all standing at the bar trying to get drinks. And then uh, because it was so crowded, um, people all lined up at the bar. They couldn't really see the performers because everyone was standing up. Um, So we had the attention of some of the people sitting on tables and stuff, but everyone else was just standing there trying to get drinks, talking very loudly. So imagine the noise of a very busy bar and then we're trying to do a comedy show there as well. Now, that's not ideal at all because, first of all, no one's really listening to you and no one can really hear you, especially if you don't have a microphone. But that wasn't the only thing. Also, because it was this charity... Um, they also had a, a, a computer there on the side next to the, the sort of performing area with a slideshow on it. And the slideshow was basically showing images of some of the work that this charity does in developing countries. And it was basically a slideshow of injuries and health problems and treatments and stuff. So we were there trying to, you know, tell jokes and make the audience laugh, trying to keep their attention. And all the while, there's a slideshow there of horrible injuries and disgusting diseases and things. Great. Really great. Now, that wasn't the only thing, because also in the other corner, there's a person there giving giving uh, head massages. Don't ask me why, but this is just all part of the charity. There's a guy there giving head uh, people head massages in the corner. So you've got the slideshow, you've got the head massage guy, and then we have to stand in the middle 
while everyone else is talking and we're just desperately trying to keep the attention of everyone in the, uh, sitting at the tables. Um, and uh, not only that, but of course, there were the toilet doors behind us. Gentlemen's on one side, ladies on the other. So we're there with the microphone. Uh, good evening, everyone. It's great to be here. Um, and then people are sort of like shuffling past you to get to the toilet. So you're kind of like, evening, everyone. It's nice to be here. Are you having a good time? Oh, sorry, excuse me. And they'd walk past you to get to the toilet. Absolutely ridiculous. So no one was actually listening. It was a total disaster. And remember, um, one of the most embarrassing things was during the middle of this, during the middle of my five-minute set, I was performing and hardly anyone was listening. And there was one person sitting on the table who was listening. He was sitting at the table and he was just sitting there while I was telling my ridiculous jokes. And he was just nodding, just, "Mm, yeah, just nodding, like really sort of taking it seriously as well. Um, So there you go. There's just a story about a bad comedy gig that that I did once. Um, Now, point four in my agenda is this question. Who is Ronnie Pickering? Any idea? Have you ever heard the name Ronnie Pickering? Well, um, this is a name that has been going around the internet, particularly in the UK recently, because it's kind of become a trending topic. Who is Ronnie Pickering? Well, a video went around social networks, Twitter and Facebook and stuff recently, of a, a road rage incident. Now, do you know what road rage is? This is a thing that is often in the news in the UK, road rage. It's a particular form of anger which occurs when people are driving. For some reason, when people are driving, they just lose their minds and they get really angry. So often this happens between cyclists and motorists in London. You'll often see cyclists shouting at motorists and, you know, swearing at them because they've done something dangerous. And sometimes the other way around, the motorists will shout at the cyclists or the motorcyclists because they've got involved in some dangerous bit of driving. Uh, and, and people's emotions seem to be so much more heightened. And so this is a video of a road rage incident. And there's a a guy on a motorbike who has some sort of conflict with a a motorist. And they argue, and the motorist seems to be completely crazy and starts shouting at the motorcyclist. And they have a big swearing match. And the the driver is, like, really aggressive. And he keeps going, you don't... What are you doing? You're a you're a wanker or something. Now there will there will be rude language. I think I said that at the beginning of this episode, didn't I? Well, if I didn't, I'm saying it now. There's going to be some rude language now because I'm going to play you an extract of um, I'm going to play you an extract of the video of of uh, Ronnie Pickering's. Um, yeah, okay. Let me just find it for you. Where's Ronnie Pickering? Okay, I found the video, so I'm just going to play you the audio. You can't see it, but basically. Uh, the driver um, is angry at the cyclist, the motorcyclist, because of the way he's driving. But it seems the motorcyclist hasn't really done anything wrong. Uh, but let, I'm going to play you the, the video audio for you now. Here we go. Bit noisy. Now, see if, see if you can catch the swear words, because the driver is obviously very angry, and he pulls over, and he starts swearing. They have a com- conversation. Can you catch all the swear words? Um, let's see. Here we go. Come on, man, you cunt. What's your problem? You, you cunt. Why am I? Fucking nothing. What? You got a problem? Do you know why I am? You what do you mean about a problem? Muppet. What do you mean you are a problem? You, you fucking muppet. There's no need for that. What? You, you cunt. What? Fucking hanging about like that. Hanging about like that? In the cars. I pulled, I went round you, yeah, and then you started fucking blocking yeah, yeah. 
Problem, yeah, yeah. Will, yeah. yeah, you have. Get your fucking helmet off then. I'll grow up, you fucking fool. Do you know I am? Fool. Do yeah. you know I am? You are. Do you know I am? Do I care? Well, you won't know when I fucking when you pull up. Come on, who are you then? Ronnie Pickering. Who? Ronnie Pickering. Who? Ronnie Pickering. Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Fucking found out then. Fuck off then. Fuck off then. Go fuck off. Fucking Johnny Pickering. Hey, he's the most famous, are you? Yeah. Fuck all right so did you catch all that he called him what is it he called him a knobhead so you're fucking knobhead so a knobhead that's um a dickhead all right it's just an insult a, a fucking knobhead he called him the c word which i'm sure you know it's the rudest word in the language you, you heard it there no need for me to repeat it um if you want to learn all the swear words and i mean all of them just go back to, what is it, episode number 83, How to Swear in British English. You'll get absolutely all of them. So this is like a bit of a refresher, I suppose, here. So he called him a knobhead. He called him a, the C word. Um, um, and um, and then he's like, do you know who I am? You don't know who I am? You know who I am? It's like, I don't know. Who are you then? I'm Ronnie Pickering. Who? Ronnie Pickering. I'm Ronnie Pickering. And so... Apparently, he's supposed to know who Ronnie Pickering is, but no one knows who Ronnie Pickering is. This is the point. Apparently, we're supposed to know who he is. No one's got a clue who Ronnie Pickering is. And then he starts um, uh, offering him offering him for a fight. He's like, come on, then. Come on, let's have a fist fight. Let's have a bare-knuckle fight. That's what you're going to hear now. So he's still not satisfied. He decides, the driver decides to pull over again next to the motorcyclist. And the whole time, sitting next to Ronnie Pickering in the car is his wife, we imagine. And she's just sitting there, just sitting there, not even looking at anyone, just sitting there completely impassioned, uh, like, just, just, uh, like she's not bothered by it at all. So he pulls the window down. Let's have a fucking bare knuckle, then. What's that going to prove? You are going to knock you out. Why are you? Why are you? Let's have a bare knuckle fight, then. What would a bare I'll knuckle fight be? I'll fucking show you, then, won't I? Who I am? Who you are? Are you yeah. on about? Yeah. Bare knuckle you, fight, come on. Do you know who you are? You don't know who I am. Oh, what do you mean, who you are? You said who you are, you're yeah. wrong I'm fucking pickering. fucking fighter, come on. You said you're wrong pickering, isn't yeah. it? Fucking go some cunt, you idiot. I don't know what you're on about. Yeah. See that? Fucking smash it, I'm telling you something. Would you? Why? Yeah, you. Why? Because you're an idiot. Why am I? Do you want to have a fight or what? I didn't say I wanted to fight with you. Listen, fucking dickhead. Don't fucking cause one then. I ain't caused one. Do it one or you'll have one. I ain't caused one. You see you in that. I ain't caused one. I was just turning the corner and you was blasting your arm like an idiot. He's like, all right, do you want to fight? No. Well, don't fucking cause one then. (laughs) So apparently he's uh, accusing you of causing a fight. All right. So I didn't cause one. I just went round you. Anyway, you might be thinking, all right, whatever. But um, that's that's the story. Like, I'm fucking Ronnie Pickering. Don't you know who I am? Well, no, mate, we don't. We've got no idea who you are. And, of course, um, various different sort of videos have surfaced as a result of this. So I, I'm now going to play you um, a, a Ronnie Pickering mashup. And this is like, uh, you know, those videos that they make, which is like a mix of different things. So you're going to hear the Ronnie Pickering mashup. And this is like uh, Ronnie Pickering inserted into various different uh, Hollywood movies and things. All right. So we start with the who singing, who are you? And uh, apparently he's Ronnie fucking Pickering. Who are you? Who are you? Ronnie Pickering. 
admire your luck, Mr. Pickering! Ronnie Pickering! I don't know who you are. Ronnie Pickering! What are you? Ronnie Pickering! If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. This is Ronnie Pickering! What I do have are a very particular set of skills. The last bearded man to lead the Labour Party <laughs> was... Bunny Pickering! Who the f*** that? Yeah, me! All right, then. So there you go. Now you know about Ronnie Pickering, but you still don't know who he is. Um, actually, Ronnie Pickering is a bare-knuckle fighter. He's a boxer. He's a bare-knuckle boxing uh, fighter. So that's who Ronnie Pickering is. But still, no one really... still knew who he was before this video emerged. But there you go. I thought I'd tell you about uh, Ronnie Pickering, the whole Ronnie Pickering thing, just because it's like been a funny video that's been going around recently. Um, okay, so that was point four in this kind of made-up agenda. Hello, everyone. This is Luke. I've just paused the podcast there. Um, guess what? Uh, my agenda was way too long. And of course, um, I'm rambling on far too much in this episode. And so I, I couldn't bear to make you listen to the whole thing in one go because it ended up being about an hour and a half, which is about the length of a football match. Um, so I didn't want to make you sit there or stand there or, or in whatever body position you're in and listen to the whole thing in one go. So I've decided to be like a ninja and ching ching, whoosh, I've uh, chopped it in half again. Well, sort of in half. I've chopped it sort of somewhere after about the halfway point, uh, and you'll be able to listen to the rest of this um, sort of non-specific episode dealing with various different things uh, in the next one. That will be episode number 302, okay? So that's the end of episode number 301. Uh, that's it, all right? Good, so just carry on. You can skip forward to the next one um, pretty soon, I would imagine. I'm going to upload it fairly soon, um, either immediately after this one or uh, quite soon after this one. Okay, thanks for listening all the way up to this point. You're lovely, 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 lovely people. You really are fantastic, brilliant. The Lepsters, they're just, they're the best. And those of you who are listening all the way to this point, you are the cream of the crop. You're the bee's knees. You're the cat's pyjamas. Uh, you are like my special super secret um, gang of Jedi ninjas, as you all know. Um, and, uh, you know, you're the best. You you are the ones that make this world a better place. So well done for listening all the way until the end. Uh, don't forget to visit teacherluke.co.uk, where not only can you improve your English in a number of ways by doing various things, you can also just get extra information. And and what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. We love extra information, don't we? Um, hopes, hopefully we do. Uh, thanks for listening thus far. Uh, I'll speak to you again in the next one very soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, it's me again. I'm just adding something here in post-production. Um, it seems I'm not quite finished with this episode. Um, and uh, going back to the whole uh, David Cameron pig story, uh, there's a video that's also going around on the internet 
that I just wanted to share with you. Now, this is a video made by someone called Cassette Boy. We don't really know who he is, but every now and then he publishes these very cleverly edited videos. Usually they're quite satirical in nature. They make fun of politicians and other public figures. Uh, in this one, this short video by Cassette Boy, he's making fun of David Cameron and the pig gate story. Um, so it's a little bit rude. Uh, as you might expect from a bit of satire about this particular um, bit of uh, politics. Um, but basically, this is a, a sort of um, edited song uh, called Getting Piggy With It. And what Cassette Boy does is he takes footage of political speeches and interviews and he cuts them up very cleverly um, so that the politicians... Uh, actually say different things. So he uses the words that they've said in different speeches and splices them together um, so that they say different things as a way of poking fun at them. And in this one, we hear David Cameron uh, rapping uh, over uh, the backing track of Will Smith's Getting Jiggy With It. Um, but in this case, David Cameron is talking about getting piggy with it. And this is what it sounds like. Today, I want to talk about me and talk. I get and kick out of getting my dick out. So let no one doubt it's going in a pig's mouth. As I said, I'm going to get me some head from a pig who's dead. This is big. I'm going to stick my dick in a pig. Getting piggy with it. Getting piggy with it. Getting piggy with it. Getting piggy with it. That's it for now. Speak to you again in the next episode soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.